two, it's more than academic, where we will discuss the ways academics support community presented by Crusader Casting. I'm your host, Nancy Barkin, principal of Cardinal Gibbons High School. I'm here today with Mr. Miguel Casas, who is a Spanish teacher in our World Languages Department. Hello, Miguel. Good morning. Oh, good morning. It's morning here. Uh, Miguel has been teaching uh, Spanish at our school for more than 20 years. We've got a great origin story that we're going to get to later. I'm going to start off with what I believe is one of the reasons why so many of your students indicate you as somebody that is their favorite teachers. This is the question I think is going to kick it off. What are methods you or folks in your department use to make learning fun for kids? Well, that's uh, something... I think we all aspire to do and try to do. Uh, and sometimes you think something is going to be funny and the kids don't agree. <laughs> but some other times it works. Uh, basically, I try to focus on, on what matters to them, on their lives. For instance, in, my, in most of my classes, every Friday and every Monday, we talk about the weekend. And year in, year out, I see kids that are reluctant initially to participate or they don't know what to say or they're scared. They tell me later that they were scared of being called upon. And through the year, it becomes their favorite thing. There was one girl this last semester who one day in November, for some reason, I had said, no, we don't have time for that today. Let's move to whatever. We, not, we had to cover something before a test. And she raised her hand and said, but Mr. Casas, that's my favorite thing. That's what I look forward to. So talking about our own lives, talking about um, and reading about things that are going on. Like, yeah. for instance, yesterday was the Monday was the Feast of the Epiphany. And that's the day when in many Hispanic countries, kids get their presents as opposed to December the 25th. Because it's the three wise men who deliver the presents kindly. So uh, a local newspaper in a small town in Spain had a story about, because there is a six-hour difference, they already had on their website an article about kids playing on the streets with their new bikes and soccer balls and blah, blah, blah. So I, I printed that. I gave it to the students, and we read about it, and, and they saw what, you know, those kids there get the same thing. And also they saw how English invades other languages a little, because they were talking about tablets and smartphones and Wi-Fi all with English words, in a Spanish article. I like that. Now, you teach AP Spanish yes. language. Mm -hmm. That is, that course essentially requires kids to be fluent, correct? Correct. Yes, or it requires, it's a course that doesn't cover grammar. It's a, it's a course that, of course, tries to prepare them for the AP exam. And in the AP exam, you don't get a single question about grammar or correct this, or try to use this verb tense, is a test designed to measure how fluent you are. So um, the emphasis through the between August and May is to try to develop their fluency, to pretend that you're immersed in the language, although it's only one hour per day, Not 45 even, minutes. 45 minutes and yes. 40 on Wednesday. Yes. So how do you make it fun but also prepare them for that experience that they have in May. And spoiler alert, your kids do really well on this test. So I know it's not just you right. that they've had three years of a world language exactly. of Spanish at Cardinal Gibbons, mm -hmm. at, you know, for many of them. So what are things that you do, again, that keep it fresh, 
um, that keep it fun, but then also prepare them for that? It's a balancing act. We do more of what I was just describing at a more advanced level. For instance, we listen to live radio and TV broadcasts from Hispanic countries, mostly from Spain because it's what I'm more familiar with. But, um, but also, I gradually, as the year progresses, we start doing more of the exercises they are going to find in the AP exam. My main goal, actually, is to help them lose their fear, to help them lose the awkwardness, which I experienced in my life with English, to speak their new language, which is Spanish. And what some kids don't realize, or at least initially, is that the more you do that, and the more you are using the language and getting around a problem, figuring out how to say a word without knowing that word, the better prepared you are for the exam. It's not like two different things that you have to study for the exam and independently of that, try to be more fluent. It's the more fluent you become, the better you do in the exam. Simple as that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how old were you when you became fluent in English? Fluent, I would say my late 20s. Because I took English all through high school, but guess what? When I graduated, I could write a very good translation if I had a dictionary with me. But if you drop me in a conversation in English somewhere, I would last about 90 seconds. Other than, you know, what's your name? Where are you from? Like, I couldn't keep up with a real conversation or watch a movie in English and understand it. Or, But I moved to England when I was 26 years old because of job reasons. And there I was truly immersed in English. Yeah. <laughs> and I experienced the pain of being immersed in a language that you're not fluent in. The first three months were a nightmare. But once you overcome that, and especially that embarrassment, you know, that someone has asked you to repeat something for the third time when you thought you were being perfectly clear, or the embarrassment that people are <laughs> laughing when you said something and you were not trying to be funny, right. all those things, then you finally relax. And guess what? Your language starts starts improving even when you don't notice it. People start telling you, hey, your English is very good. So that's what I try to do with my students in class. So you have a degree in journalism, yes, both from Spain, and you also have a master's in journalism from UNC Chapel yes. Hill. When you were a journalist, did you, in at UNC Chapel Hill, did you write in Spanish? Did you write in English? When I was in, still in Europe, in Madrid or in London, I was writing in Spanish. After my master's, here in Carolina, I got a job with an American newspaper, and I wrote in English for three years. So you're like a rock star in English now. Like. I have to say, first of all, I, I think I'm good with language. Is That's my thing. Yeah. I cannot say that in many other fields, for instance, math. Also, bless American newspapers for copy editors. You know, like, ah. I mean, I wrote decently, and I think I kept improving, but in a newspaper, you submit your story, and there is an editor who goes over it and makes corrections or clarifies things, gets back to you and said, Mikael, what do you mean here by this? So I think I had an extra little help there that we all don't get in normal daily life. Do you ever have the kids do, like, Twitter in or, like, pretend tweeting? No, we haven't done that. That's a good idea. So um, when I was teaching English to seniors, we were reading Dante's Inferno. So I, I, I had these creative projects, and one of the options kids could do is they had to do a travel journal using Twitter. Wow. So you had to pretend that you were with Virgil in the Inferno. So you were in uh-huh. going through 
But then what I wanted from them is like, what's your picture? Like, but I wanted no less than like 10 tweets. They actually got very creative about it, where especially if the Dante had identified specific people, it's a lot of fun. The kids are better um, at stuff like that because they're used to texting and, but it's a fun, quick exercise. Like you throw a picture up, um, write me a tweet for this. In Spanish. Good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this. If you weren't teaching Spanish, what subject would you be teaching? We've learned it's not math, so what would it be? Definitely. Definitely um, not math. I'm pretty sure it would be history, because <gasps> I always like history. Yeah. I like to read historical novels, um, even just history itself, watch documentaries about the past. And it attracts me also because of you can teach more meaningful content, things that have been important in the history of the world that it still affects our lives. Yeah. That, uh, so, yeah, I think it would be history. I'm not qualified for it, but... So I realized that I probably should have been a history teacher because it, it, I love looking at the chaos of an event or, or a time period and then figuring out, with all of those plates up in the air, how did it get to this? Like... Yeah. It's interesting to kind of stand back and you want kids to see, like, how is all of this yeah. connected? So, And also find out what an individual did. I mean, these were human beings like you and me, and this person decided to do this or was not afraid to do that. Or the opposite, it was scared, so didn't act. And all that to me is fascinating. Like too. one person yeah. could literally change the, the, exactly. the history of our world. Mm-hmm. Whew. I think we'd be good at this. We should team teach it. I know people. Hey, you're who the set principal. This, I know. I can set the <laughs> schedule up. Set it up. Casas and Barkin. What would we teach? Um, I don't. I don't know. I would start with 20th century the first time. You know what I think? I think we could come up with a class. It's like, uh, like historical figures, right? Uh-huh. So then we just go through history and we just pick people. Yeah. That we think have impacted history. And, and then we, we just could, get to decide. And we've come, we could be interdisciplinary. We could bring in Spanish into it. So you see, I didn't say Western Civ. I didn't say... We could bring in all Anything. kinds. Yeah. Spanish, Asian, American, South uh-huh. American. Who are these people? And by the way, that's what I do in the AP class. Yes. Is learn about things that have nothing to do with the language, but in Spanish. We discuss oh. issues like immigration, technology, and we get involved in discussion in discussions. We may have debates in class sometimes, but it's all in Spanish. And that's how you develop the language. Huh. Well, yeah. Because I guess you would have an understanding of certain things. Like, you'd have a base foundation, right? But then when you're learning about maybe specifics from another language, that's when you learn those like the cliches or the, exactly. new, the, the subtle nuances exactly. of the language. Oh, my goodness. That is a great way for us to end our podcast today. Thank you so much, Miguel, for joining us. We had a great time. Thank you. Me too. Thank you very much.